You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sharpen your pencils and get your notebooks out. It's time for the Star Seminar. And now, here are your hosts, Rabble Rouser and Danny Phantom. Welcome, children, to another edition of the Star Seminar. I'm your host, Professor Rabble Rouser, and I'm very pleased to say we have a visiting assistant professor here, uh, who is actually the Dean of Football Studies at Oregon State University, just came in from Corvallis, the great, and I do mean great, Dr. Danny Phantom. Dr. Phantom, how are you this fine afternoon? I'm doing fantastic. I'm always excited to see what I am any given week during, you know, <laughs> during the introductions. But hey, nice job with the, with the Corvallis reference for uh, mm-hmm. you know, knowing your stuff there. Absolutely. Uh, so I'm doing okay. Um, I had a this morning. I was a little bit, a little almost borderline road rage um, as I was taking dropping off my granddaughter to school this morning. I was trying to get back onto the road, and for some reason, none of the moms were wanting to let me blend in with the traffic, and I didn't understand it. Uh, I mean, I I don't really want to mess with you know, moms, you know, before they've had all their coffee and early in the morning and stuff. But, uh, you know, I finally was able to get in. I had to kind of really be aggressive to get in. But uh, I tell you, Rabs, one of the things that just drives me up the wall is people that lack the common decency to to take turns in traffic and follow the zipper rule. You know, you just one car at a time and, and traffic mm-hmm. just moves perfectly. But no, some people are just very about themselves they don't want any part of that, and they just and they won't let you in. And that just drives me crazy. So um, yeah, I survived that, and the, and the rest of the day was was pretty gravy. Um, but what about you? Is is there anything that in particular that you know grinds your gears? Um, well, I would say that the one thing that that is most likely to make me mad is traffic as well. Traffic is really frustrating for me as well. Um, it's a little bit different. I, I think I'm probably one of those people who likes to cut in. And so as long as I'm able to cut in and uh, like, you know, get ahead of everybody, I'm happy. But when other people are doing it, it drives me crazy. But, um, you, but you share, don't you? Do you share? I try not to. I think if we were on the uh, highway together, we probably wouldn't get along so well. Ouch. <laughs> Come on, Rab. I also will say, however, that what you experienced today is the beating heart of American culture, which is that the fiercest, most competitive people in the world are moms. 
Yeah, well, that's true. And, I, and part of me, like, I had to ask myself, am I like, uh, you know, Michael Keaton and Mr. Am I like going through the wrong way through the, you know, like drop off here? But no, I mean, I, I was doing the right thing, but just no, they just wanted no part of that. No part yeah, of that. Yeah. Um, moms are not interested in doing the right thing they're interested in getting ahead oh in, 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 he doesn't in, uh, he doesn't mean that listeners he doesn't no no i do i mean moms are moms are interested in getting ahead and uh getting their getting their kids ahead and that's and and that the best way to do that is to just have that kind of tiger mom attitude anyway uh i'll get off my soapbox now um so sorry you had that experience this today my friend yeah uh, so 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 that's a so that's a good uh, example of something that's that's non-sports related that kind of like you know uh, irks you what about sports things are, are there any sort of sports situations that give you a little bit of you know kind of uh, sport equivalent to road rage yeah yeah actually there is it's you know it's crazy and it's, it almost happens as frequent as being uh, you know dealing with trap traffic is and that is every time a player is signed by some other team, not the Cowboys, you know, ever Cowboy fans just seem to really get upset about the lack of moves the front office is making and, and how they don't have a clue. And obviously they don't care about winning and blah, blah, this, that. And it drives mm. me up the wall. I mean, so, I mean, with the news this week is the Cooper Cup. He's he's extended. Good for him. Great player. Absolutely worth the money. No problems. And, of course, the Rams have this abundance of money. That seems to just never end. And, uh, you know, fans are confused. Like, why are they able to spend all this money and the Cowboys, they cannot. And to me, it just it upsets me. It upsets me for, for a couple of reasons, Rabs. And I think a lot of it is, I, I think the Cowboys roster ability is pretty good. I don't, uh, the, you know, there's a lot of problems with the Cowboys organization. And we've talked about this quite a bit. And, but from a roster building perspective, I, I think that they're one of the, the better teams. Um, I like, you know, the job Will McClay does. I actually like the way the Cowboys are careful in free agency. Um, I guess that's how I'll use, you know, you know label it. Uh, I mean, we're coming off a season where you're looking at players like Carlos Watkins and J. Ron Curse and Malik Hooker, where the Cowboys spent hardly nothing to, to get those contributors um, so I certainly have to applaud them for for making those type of signings. Uh, I also love the way this team drafts, and I certainly wouldn't want to be like Los Angeles and and give up always giving up first round picks, and then like we wouldn't have players like Micah Parsons or C.D. Lamb. And so, to me, I just not interested in in the way the Rams do business, and that's fine for them. They're they're one of the teams that. They have, you know, a trophy on the wall to to say, hey, look at what we did, and that's fine. But there's a lot of teams that try that approach that fall flat on their face, and, you know, nobody really talks about them, but they always talk about the Cowboys and how they are not doing enough. And that really really bothers me because from a roster-building perspective, I have no problems with how the Cowboys do business. So I don't know, Rabs, am am I just being too sensitive? Um, no, I don't think so. Uh, I think that I would say that, that that same thing kind of irks me and that, there's a lot to unpack here. So let's, let's try to, let's try to unpack a couple of these, uh, briefcases and, and suitcases and, and maybe we'll leave a couple on, uh, that we'll leave a couple packed and tuck them under the bed in the guest room and we can unpack them later because there's so much. But the, uh, the first thing is, 
that uh, the Cowboys do sign a lot of free agents. They sign a lot of big ticket free agents. The key is that they, the free agents they sign are their own players, the guys who have already been um, on, you know, in the locker room, on the team. Who I think, um, you know, they try they try to invest in guys who have given it up for for the for the team. So that's, so that's that's point one. And so there's a lot of high ticket free agents. It's not like, and the other thing is this. It's not like the Cowboys aren't spending up to the cap. They spend up to the cap almost every year, right? And so it, it's not like that, you know, there's this, there's this idea that, oh, the Cowboys are just trying to, like, make a little extra money. They're not, they're not making any yeah, extra no, money. They're, right. they're, they're spending up to the cap. Oh, they just want to sit on their billions. Listen, they could, they could spend up to the cap and still make billions. They're making billions from all of the other stuff, the, the, rest, of the, the rest of the income. And of course, all the sales and other things that don't get factored into the, the salary cap formula. Um, so, so that's not true. There's a couple couple things here. One is the Cowboys. Okay, so let, let's take a step back. The Rams have won a Super Bowl, as you pointed out, not because of the way they do business. Right? Those are separate things. And I think people are looking at the Rams and saying they won a Super Bowl because they're, they aggressively go after free agents. When, as you pointed out rightly, there's many teams that for years have aggressively gone after free agents to spend a lot of money re-signing guys and signing guys and been 500 or below. Right, So that's not why the Rams are winning. The Rams are winning because they have a good young coach with a good young offense. They, he, uh, they, they have a kind of daring and bravado. And before they started to mortgage the future, they actually did some really, really great drafting and getting guys like Cooper Cup and Aaron Donald, who they just re-signed to big contracts. So I, I think that one of the things that, that football fans have to do, and this is really hard, is separate process and results because mm-hmm. they're not necessarily connected and they're not necessarily connected because football is one of if not the most luck driven sport in certainly the, the, the most luck driven north american sport right and so the fact that the rams won is a testament to the fact that they put themselves in puts into position to win and also then therefore a, a testament to the fact that they got lucky right and there's there's no super bowl run last I don't know, 15, 20 years where you can't look at that and go, man, there was, there were three or four games or three or four plays or three or four instances when that team got really lucky and easily could have lost in one of the playoff games. Uh, the days of the dominant team that just marches through the playoffs are, are over because it's such a parody league. So, um, so I think that, I think that we're, we, when we think about that, we, we touch on another reality, which is that, as you said, fans are confused. So I think the other, the other thing that, that plays in here is, A, fans don't know a lot about players, right? They know the players who were, uh, went to major colleges, were drafted in the first round, or like all pros, those kinds of guys, right? So um, when the Cowboys sign a guy in free agency, and then the Rams sign a big name in free agency. They're like, oh, my God, the Rams are drafting all these great players. The reality is that the difference in players from the great players to the not-so-great players is not that wide. And so when you sign a guy for $1.8 million versus $18 million, you're getting a heck of a lot more for, per dollar for your $1.8 million than you are for your $18 um, because 
there's no way that, that, that the second player is worth 10 times as much. He's not 10 times better, right? The, the, the curve, the sort of performance curve for, for elite players goes up very sharply. And so it's, it's a foolish investment unless, um, unless it's one of the most important positions, i.e. tackle, quarterback, edge rusher, maybe not even corner or wide receiver because there's so many of those guys and you have so many on the field at any one time. And at any rate, I think that uh, the other thing about this is it's a sort of unfortunate history. The Cowboys have been good enough every year for just about every year for the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years, really since Parcells came back in and kind of fixed the front office, right? This was a broken team when Parcells took over. He came in fixed the front office, just like he did with the Jets and just like he did with with the Patriots. The Patriots have been great ever since he came in and fixed it, frankly. Um, and they've and the Cowboys have been good, but they haven't been great and they haven't been lucky. And so there's a sort of growing sense that the Cowboys are somehow incompetent. The Cowboys don't know what they're doing. Uh, they're in the they're in the top five to seven teams over the last ten years or so in terms of regular season wins, et cetera. Very clear they know what they're doing. They've had a couple of terrible seasons when the quarterback has gotten injured for the whole year. Uh, but other than that, they've been very good almost every year. Yeah. And so and so it. it in many ways, what we can do is to say, okay, are the Cowboys, have the Cowboys been lucky? And I would say, no, I can't think of a playoff run or even a playoff game other than maybe the Detroit playoff game in 2014, right. where you can say the Cowboys really kind of got, they kind of got uh, the good side of, uh, of Lady Luck's mm-hmm. um, yeah. mercurial, mercurial toss of the coin there. But almost every other one, they, they either haven't gotten lucky or, or luck hasn't been a significant factor in the game. Um, they certainly haven't had a lucky run or one of those runs where everything, every, they kind of put everything together uh, um, and played better than they than expected or anything like that. It's been quite the opposite. But and so we can we can say is is there is there is there a pattern to that? I don't know that sample size is big enough so there's actually a pattern to that. I think it's just that they haven't been they've been they have, they've been in position and when they have they they they've not been lucky and. You can say they haven't been they haven't been in position quite often enough. I think that's true. I think they flirted with being in position. And so one of the I think one of the legitimate criticisms of the Cowboys, and again, this is partially luck because there's always two or three games every year that could swing either way, maybe more games every year that could swing the other way. And so, you know, the difference between an eight and eight team and a twelve and four team is really not that much. Um, or twelve and five team now, and then we have seventeen games. So I think that because we tend to confuse outcomes with skill as opposed to luck, um, we, 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 I think, lose sight of the fact that Cowboys have just been unlucky. And we think that they're doing something fundamentally wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there may, I think there are, there are ways in which they're not taking advantage of all the things they do, do well. And I think that there's, some, there's probably some accountability things that are coming out of the front office that – weaken the culture of the team a little bit but do they do it enough so that the, so that, that can really be a deciding factor in the playoffs or at the end of seasons i don't know i don't think so people talk about it being a country club it's possible that they're that they're not tough enough or focused enough but i don't know it's often there's so many times where they are a tough focused team that I, i'm not like if they were really you know if they were a team that was perpetually like six and 10 and just always were being physically dominated. I think then you can make the argument it's a country club, but there's lots of times when they've been very physically dominant and they've been a tough team and they've shown a lot of heart. And, you know, 
I, I think it, it's, it's hard to really look at the evidence over the long term and say that. So I'm going on a lot here. I think, I, I think that um, this is evidence of how much this does irk me because it is frustrating to see people do that to, uh, to um, sort of compare the Cowboys to the Rams. But I think that the problem really lies in two things. I mean, there's a couple different things, three or four maybe. One is, as I said before, the fans don't understand what a large role luck plays or they're not willing to accept what a large role luck plays. Um, congratulations, you're the Super Bowl champs. You got lucky. Great. Good for you. Uh, people don't understand the way the salary cap works. People don't understand that, like, the, you know, this, this whole notion that the cap is a myth is absolute hogwash. The cap is a very, very structured financially real thing it's not a myth it's not just something we talk about but teams spend whatever they want that would be a myth right um where, where it's something that the owners say to to fans or say to agents but, but in reality they're they're not adhering to it at all they're adhering to it they're forced to adhere to it it's a very real bookkeeping um measure however there are also lots of things you can do to massage the cap and so the, the one of the things the rams are doing right now to massage the cap is they're putting a lot of that money into signing bonuses, and they're prorating those signing bonuses over, over many years, and that's one way to not spend now. You're giving a, a player money now, but you're not spending it now. And that's all well and good, but that's exactly what the Cowboys did in the, in the like, let's say 2007 to 2012, mm-hmm. and they got burned a lot. So the Rams are going to get burned if those players get injured or decline or do any of those things, the Cowboys gave a bunch of money to guys who didn't earn their contract, particularly like the, you know, they didn't earn like the last couple of years of their contract and they had, they had to let go of them or they, or, you know, because they suddenly they you know, their contracts were way, way, way more than, than what they were getting for, from them on the field. So when we look at Aaron Donald and Cooper cup, the question really is, Will they be able to be viable players through the bulk of the length of the contract or the length of the guaranteed money in that contract? And when you have when you do signing bonuses, that guaranteed money get, get, goes up and gets prorated, and it's it's uh, I mean because it's all it's a signing bonus, it's all guaranteed, and so that's an open question. You know, I mean they're signing a lot of guys at, at top of the market, and I think that the the thing that fans. I think particularly the fans who are frustrated by the Cowboys uh, may be right about is the fact that the market is changing so, so rapidly that the, the salary cap is growing so much that if you give somebody a top of market contract now in two or three years, they're going to be a bargain. So just give them the contract now. Don't worry about it because in two and, you know, make it so that there's a little bit more money in years three and four or whatever, because by then there'll be 10 guys who are making way, way more money than you're, than you're all pro whatever. And so I think that's probably true. Um, and, and I think the Cowboys seem to struggle with that a little bit. They might, but, but I don't know. I mean, name a guy, name a guy they wanted to keep and didn't. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Gregory, but then you could argue maybe they didn't too. Um, well, I also think that that was such a complicated thing. There were so many mitigating factors that had to do with respect. Um, because, you know, Gregory's been working his tail off. He also has been smoking a bowl every once in a while. But he's, he's, a, he's a really hardworking player and a very talented player and a really, really smart player. And I think that um, 
you know, he's been, I, I would imagine, incredibly frustrated by the, 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 the league's ridiculous marijuana penalties when, you know, I mean, in some ways he he's, gets high to, to deal with this, this sort of mental reality. I mean, I, I don't know for a fact, but I, I suspect he's probably bipolar and, and, and you know, um, marijuana really helps him with that. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I know, I mean, and that Gregory is, that's a, another issue altogether. Yeah. So, but I really think you made some really good points. And, and a couple of the ones that really stand out to me is, is the first off, first off is the, you know, people are focused on the results and that that's true. And if, you know, if you're not getting the results you want, you know, people are going to be upset. I, and I, I think you did point out the Cowboys are a winning football team. They they you're, we're not talking about a six and ten team that's that's struggling and don't know how to you know f- figure things out. They they are a competitive team, and they have been for the better part of a decade. Like you say, minus when your your quarterback goes down and you have no viable replacement, then things go go bad for you. But the Cowboys have been a, a good football team. They're always competing. They're making you know making playoffs. You know a lot of the times, of course, but they don't get the optimal results. And you know in and it does. You, you do need to have things work in your favor. And I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, say. I mean, try to um, water down anything, any accomplishments that any Super Bowl team has ever had, as far as them not deserving it, because they've done a lot of great things to to get to that point. But um, you're absolutely right. You, you do need to. You need to be healthy, and you need to have. You need to have uh, the Forty ers defensive back drop a clear interception. I mean. You you need to catch mm-hmm. breaks mm-hmm. like that to 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 get you know to to have the those results. So I guess I'm not so upset with I I want the Cowboys to win the next Super Bowl just as much as the next guy. It's I you know sh- sure it's been quarter of a century, but they're still a good football team. They're playing well, and I to me the problems I have is when I look at this and I see people complaining, and I I, I want to ask, well, what do you want them to do? I mean, what, mm. what is, I mean, what is it? Okay. I, I understand what you don't like, but what do you want them to do? And it certainly can't be like to, to go out there and, and spend a bunch of money in free agency because we know they're not good at that. And we've saw that. And like you said, you know, it, it, there were some heavy dead money years and people complain about wasting Tony Romo's years. And well, there were some heavy dead money years that they had to deal with back then. And so I don't think we want that. I, I hope we don't want that. And I hope we don't want the Cowboys to give up draft capital, an excess of draft capital because they're pretty good at that as well. So, you know, I, I think we should want the Cowboys to do what they're doing when it comes to roster building. It should be pretty close to what they're doing. Now, Granted, to to your point, it would be nice if they can just take some more calculated risk and and find this guy and that guy here and and to fill the roster. But even there's no guarantee that's going to work. Teams try to do that all the time, and a lot of times, you know, it doesn't work. So it it's hard to to do to be perfect. And I think that we it it's really unreasonable for us to expect the, the Cowboys. What we expect from them is just to go out and make all the right moves. Just go out and do all the right things. Not not the mistakes, but just all the right ones, you know. And yeah. that's just unreasonable to me. And and I, yeah, I just I don't know. I just think to me, from roster building perspective, I think people are too too critical of the Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, essentially, what they want to do is the roster version of run the touchdown play, right? They yeah. want they they don't they want the Cowboys to 
to do the thing that's going to win them the Super Bowl. And, and so, again, what that does is it divorces the the heavy influence and impact that luck plays in the, in the final results from what the Cowboys do. There's many, many roads to a championship. Uh, I, and so this is sort of what I was, what I was going to talk about when I first began to, to go on my little rant about the Cowboys versus the Rams. There, there are many routes to the championship. It doesn't really matter which one you take. There are teams that have been successful on all, all of those routes. In, in recent years, the talent from team to team to team is so close that ultimately the team that wins out doesn't win out because of the, of the way they built the roster. They win out because they're healthy and they catch fire um, at, and something happens at that last minute. I mean, the Giants in 2007, the Giants in 2011, the Eagles in 17, the Buccaneers in whatever it was, 21, 20, whatever year it was that, that they won. I mean, and all their, all their defensive guys caught fire and Brady who had been cheeks the last half of the season suddenly started playing, you know, better at the end. Um, you know, I mean, th- th- there's so many, there's so many examples of teams that, you know, made the playoffs and were, and were legit, but then just suddenly just everything kind of fell into place and, and styles make fights. They got good matchups, um, you know, throughout the playoffs and stuff like that. It, ha- it happens all the time. So I think what fans want is for them to be the best drafting team, um, the best free agent team for them to get to sign all of the free agents that they've heard of. And of course the guys they've heard of are almost always guys who were first round picks mm-hmm. or stars for other teams that, who, whose bloom has long since faded. I mean, if we were to, if we were to proceed as a team as the sort of Twitter draft and, and free agent jockeys want every, want them to proceed, this team would be a significantly less, <laughs> would have a significantly lower quality roster and would be in significantly more um, financial cap. Uh, sort of like significantly more dire financial cap situation. You are absolutely so correct in that statement. So I think that, that you know, one, one of the things that for all of our Twitter jockeys to remember is you are not good. Will McClay is good and you are not. Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, that's, that's absolutely true. I mean, I, I will go through and I'll look for, for certain things I've said on Twitter, you know, and, and I'm trying to pull up some positive receipts and I'll come across some, t- some free agents that, I wanted that's perfectly seemed like it would be smart back then. It's like, Ooh, I'm just, let's let this tweet die, you know, and just like never want to see that again. And, and no, you just, no, you, you're right. We would just bury this team with our front office moves. And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, so let's let the Cowboys do what they do. I mean, I, I have no issues with that. And I mean, it would be great if they could do more and they were right. But it could be so much worse if they, if if they take took those missteps, and I just think that they're they're sticking to things that they're good at, and then they are good at some things, and I think a lot of people don't want to acknowledge that. I don't want to give the Cowboys credit for some of those things. I mean, and I, sometimes I get really confused because people talk about, well, they need to sign players before they going to cost a lot, and then they turn around and they'll say, well, you signed them too early. You you know, it was like. I mean, what do you want? Do you want the Cowboys to just, you know, have some sort of ability to, to know the future? It's, you know, sometimes you're going to guess right on those things. Sometimes mm-hmm. you're not. And I mean, I don't think it's, you, there's a perfect system. And I don't know. It just, to me, I just feel like they're, they're just, Cowboy fans want a Super Bowl. That's what they want. And yep, until, yep, that's it. until it gets there. And, and, and they think they deserve one, right? And so part of this is, 
I deserve a, a Super Bowl. I've, I've either been impatient or, I mean, I signed up to be a Cowboy fan because the Cowboys win Super Bowls and I deserve a Super Bowl. And no, you don't deserve anything. You, you deserve nothing. And so, um, Squad I'm sorry, you, you don't, you, no, 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 but no fan deserves anything. You decide, you, you decide what team you're going to follow for reasons that, that either have to do with geography or just alchemy. And um, you cross your fingers and hope, and that's it. And you deserve nothing. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. On that note, um, what does Dalton Schultz deserve, Rabs? Uh, He deserves a five-year... Uh, $58 million contract. Ooh. That's, that's a good deal. I would be very pleased with, with that. I think that's, that's with 34 million guaranteed. So, so are you in favor? Give me, give me a good guarantee. Are you in, are you in favor of, of keeping him? Hmm. That's a tough one because I can see why the Cowboys are not like super eager to, to, to jump right in and commit. I mean, you know, so you were, we were just talking about how they wait too long. And there are certainly instances of that, but there are instances of it where they didn't. And, you know, they, they didn't wait too long with Jalen Smith and that didn't work out. Yeah. But they thought they so, were going to deal. And you know, they, they, thought, they thought they were, they thought they were. Um, so anyway, I, I, Dalton Schultz is a tough one because he's good, but not great. He does everything pretty well, but, not great, but uh, he's still a top 10 tight end, you know, I mean, because, and, and he's a good tight end for their offense. This, uh, this offense really depends because it's still so Zeke and, and running game driven. Um, it depends on, on a, on a tight end who can block and receive. Uh, and he's a, you know, I mean, he, his game is not significantly different than, than Jason Witten's in the last four or five years of his, of his career in terms of, explosiveness and his ability to maybe not quite as much of a, of a blocker as Witten, but certainly not significantly worse. So uh, it's, it's hard to draft and develop tight ends because the college game basically just has glorified wide receivers. And so if you're a team like, like the Cowboys who wants a, a sort of hybrid tight end, who, who's an inline Y who can also receive and block, who, who has that sort of versatility, um, it's hard to find. You got to find a, a guy who who um, basically comes from either Stanford or Wisconsin. Look at look at the places they just drafted from, mm-hmm. where they have pro style running games and the guys learn how to block. Um, because you know the sort of like wide open RPO offenses are not preparing players uh, at that position for 
the realities and nuances of the game that they'll that they'll be playing. So that's a long way of saying: Is he great? No. Is he a rare? Is he a rare player in terms of what the Cowboys want from a tight end? I think he might be, and I think it's that factor that might get him a big contract in Dallas. So, so am I hearing you correctly that you are in favor of resigning him? I'm making you answer this question. Yeah, yeah, I think I think so. I think so. I think I think I think that's that's right. Yeah, I I mean I really I, I agree with with everything that you said. I I I'm a big Schultz fan, and I've loved him um, probably just after his first year. That you know, I, I, to me, I felt like this is somebody that you know I want to keep long term. Um, then of course, when they didn't sign, sign him um, entering his last year. I kind of felt, well, that's the end of that. And then he had another final year of his contract and I thought he was priced out. So I kind of like started to come to terms with us not keeping him. And then it becomes a part to a point to where it's going to cost too much. And now I have to ask myself, you know, is he that much better to, to warrant the contract? Can we, mm-hmm. can we somehow, like if we would have drafted Kate Otten or somebody, you know, could, would, would it be worth the Cowboys to invest that? And then, you know, then and they actually, drafted you know jake ferguson which you know who knows maybe he could be something so it's it's a tough one it's even as much as i love schultz it is a tough one but i will say that like you my answer is going to be a yeah i i I would do it i i would sign him I, i and i think the biggest reason is because i think he just keeps dak to at a point to where he you know he's got that last level there, that that go-to safety net, and Dak can still be be Dak and do his things. But but having a player like Schultz, a part of this offense, a, a reliable pass catcher, that he mm-hmm. he's good. He's nothing fancy about what Dalton Schultz does. And you know I know he's people are really critical of his blocking, which I think is hogwash. I think he's a very solid blocker and sometimes really good blocker. Um, and, but I think that he's very reliable. I think he shows late hands, which is very important because, like Jason Witten, you're like, how does he get open? And he really doesn't, but the d- defense doesn't know that the pa- the ball's going to like right there, and because you know you just throw their hands up last last second, and, and Schultz does that too. He's got late hands, and and uh, it just makes them open because the de- defense is slow to 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 react. And I just think he possesses all those little nuances that just m- really make him an effective tight end. And I think he's an important part of this Cowboys offense. And I would love to see him get signed long term. I, I hope it doesn't cost the Cowboys an arm and a leg because you know that they have waited this long. Um, but you know, I, I definitely, I, I think I, I would prefer to have him versus not and 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 take the take the cap hit. Yeah, I think one of the one of the other things that uh, and this touches on our earlier conversation, uh, the waiting too long. This notion of the Cowboys waiting too long. I, I think that the Cowboys do have a sense of like they don't want to be the one initiating that um, the negotiation because that means they seem eager and they they're going to end up giving up more money. And that may be true. I know that Jerry's been on you know on record as saying that in the past, and I think Stephen has uh, as well. And that may be that may be a fault. In fact one can make a strong argument that that's the front office's greatest fault. But I think the, the other thing that, that people don't think about and, and fans don't want to acknowledge is the part that agents play in this. So imagine that you're a player and I'm an agent. And the market is going up all the time. 
what advantage is there for me to come to the table before the 11th hour? Yeah, no, none. Absolutely none. So if I'm an agent and my responsibility is, is to you, the player, and my, my job one is to give you is to get you the best contract possible. And best is different for each player, but it, it almost always involves the most money. Why would I why would I do anything uh, before the very last minute when the market was at its very peak? Yeah. In, unless the team is going to throw a bunch of money. So, I mean, we can say, yeah, the Cowboys don't want to initiate to initiate, but the, but. And, oh, oh, the Cowboys try to play hardball, and in the end, they relent. Well, the thing is, if, they, if the agent, unless the agent is a sucker, the money that they get at the end is the money the Cowboys are going to have to pay at the beginning anyway, because the agents aren't stupid. They know, what, they know the, how, how the market's growing, and they know how many other players at that position are coming up for contracts. So they're like, let's wait. Let's wait this out. Let's see how many of these dudes sign because each one of these guys who signs is gonna is gonna is gonna raise that bar up a little bit. So if you can be the first guy to sign, you're not gonna even if you're a better player, um, you're not gonna be as happy with your contract as if you're the fourth or fifth guy to sign. Mm-hmm. So why why would you do it unless the unless the team is going to just move the bar league wide and then, and then of course then field calls from all the other owners who say what the hell are you doing? We, you, you just screwed up the market because you basically paid the guy who was first in line, but the guy who was in fifth in line would have gotten, right? And so teams don't want to do that. So that, that's why, like, you know, especially, like, if you remember when, like, Demarius Thomas and, and, and Des Bryant were both um, basically up at the same time. They were both drafted the same year. I think it was probably 2015 they were both um, – uh, maybe maybe 16. I can't remember which of those years. The, the, probably 16 because they were both first rounders. They both had five years of service. So 10, 11, 12. Yeah, maybe 15. Um, and uh, neither guy was signing. Neither guy was signing. Of course they weren't. Their agents were waiting for the other one because they knew the guy who was second was going to get more money or at least as much money. Right. right? And, and so um, we always want to talk about how this, this team is, is stupid. Well, like, look at the Rams. They signed Cooper Cup, but they had to pay him a ridiculous top of market contract, which is, you know, which is the same thing they would have paid if they had waited, you know, six months because Cooper Cup's agent is no dummy. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. So anyway, I, so I, I think, I think that, you know, Dalton Schultz is going to, going to wait as long as he can. Uh, you know, he's, uh, he wants to try to play hardball, but his version of hardball is really like pay me what the guy who's the fifth tight end to sign this off season is going to make. Unless he's the only tight end on the market right now. And I, I don't, I, I have a hard time imagining he, he is. Yeah. So, uh, so I would say that it's the likelihood here also is Dalton Schultz is like, I'm going to use this as leverage so I can just sit at home and play Nintendo or whatever it is he wants to do instead of running around 90 degree heat because that sucks. And so um, I think there's probably more factors at play here than just like uh, him wanting to, you know, get a contract from the Cowboys. He'll get a contract from the Cowboys if, if he, if he wants, but they're not going to initiate it. You know, yeah. that's, that's, that's not the way they operate. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's, you're right. And that's something that we, we, we should never fail to consider is that there is another side of this. And those agents are 
they, they're paid very well to, to do what they do, and they're going to definitely get the most for their client. And it's just not like, you know, it's, you know, you can just somehow pull one over on them. It's, 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 this is just how the business works. And, you know, and as Dak, you know, made a comment recently, it just kind of reassuring Schultz, you know, it's just part of the business. Everything's going to be fine. You know, it'd be nice if, if we see, um, see him back and uh, play, you know, playing on a long-term deal and, uh, that, you know, that'd be yeah. great. But speaking of the guys that are running around in 98 degree weather, um, Rabs, you got some thoughts on, on this week's OTAs and, um, you know, I'll tell you what, I have two thoughts. One is um, the only really uh, interesting thing that happened was that, uh, and it wasn't that interesting, was that uh, John Ridgway got in the first fight of the offseason. And I would say that he probably, had, in my book, had the shortest odds of anybody on the team um, to get in the first fight. So uh, if, you, if you're a betting, betting man uh, and you put your money on Ridgway, yeah, you're going to get enough to go to Taco Bell. You're not going to get a big return on that one because he's he's the kind of dude who I think basically he's going to get in a lot of fights in in training camp, and he'll probably get in several fights during during the season. So I think that's his part, sort of part of his game. Um, and the second thing is that uh, pretty much, I mean, hardly anybody was playing. They had a they had a long long list of guys who were out both because of injury and rehab but also these guys who weren't practicing for a variety of reasons. And so I wanted to talk about something about OTAs and the offseason in general anyway and then as as luck would have it uh David Hellman at, at the uh the mothership came out with an article today that um summed up very neatly what I wanted to, to say when I've been thinking about it a lot anyway. So I kind of wanted to just talk about that a little bit. Okay. Um but before I do, let me ask you this question. Why do teams have 90-man rosters? And, and, and part of that, the reason I ask that is, so 53 guys make, or maybe it's more now, but you know, in, in the past, 53 men make the roster. You know, we talk about competition in camp, and you know, coaches like to talk about that. But the reality is there's like 48 of those 53 spots are pretty much shown up. I mean, you know, maybe 45 on a team that doesn't have as much talent or, you know, has, has new coaches or something, but like there are very few spots that are actually up for grab, which means that probably 30 of those 90 men have no chance of making the team. So with that in mind, I'll ask the question again, why do we have 90 man rosters? Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, I, I wanted to believe it's, it's, so, you know, you have a a wide group of people to to choose from and give people a chance to to make a football team, but I'm sounding like that's not the right answer. I mean, I don't believe I don't believe it is, and I don't think coaches see it that way. I would be I mean, I, I, of course coaches are going to coach up their guys and they're always they, I mean, listen, if I'm a coach and a UDFA comes in and starts to acquit himself really well and has a chance of making the team, I'm, I mean, I'm thrilled with that. I'm not going to say no to that, and I'm not going to close my eyes to that. But the reality is that most of the, most of these guys don't have the, the talent to make the team. So, I mean, I think there's a couple there's a, there's a couple answers, but I think one of them really is you need enough bodies to to be able to run three teams during camp and during um, mini camp. And why do you need three teams? Like, why don't we just have a first team and a second team? And I think the answer is because then you got a 60 man roster, you got first and second team and, and, and you could be done with practice faster. Um, I, I think part of it is that there are some positions that 
require that much depth because there's there's a lot more guys at those positions on the roster. And so you really need the rest of the third team because you can't ask those second teamers at other positions to take extra reps or first teamers to take extra reps, which which it starts to bring us toward, I think, what the real answer is for front offices and for coaches. And I think Mike McCarthy has been much more, I think he, first of all, he's better at, at managing this part of it than Jason Garrett was, or at least he's more open about that. And, um, but he's all seems to have brought some, some more of that with him from green Bay, um, which is this idea of really managing reps and, and, and managing the amount of, of, of running and all that sort of stuff. He's really good at, at managing the workload for the players because camp and OTAs are not really about competition so much, except for a few roster spots. They're not about getting better or even being crisp, right? Um, one of the things that Hellman wrote in his article today that I thought was worth pulling out because I thought it was really interesting. He said, crispness is nice, but it's not the goal in June. And I think that's absolutely right. They want to get a basic install. And by basic, I really mean like the basic scheme, the language, all that kind of stuff to get everybody familiar with it. And they're going to drill down and, and, and they're going to repeat it. And they're going to, and they're going to coach and then teach. And then they're going to, sh- and they're going to show the film and teach, and then they'll, they'll bring it back again. So there's multiple, multiple reps, both in the classroom and on the field over the course of the, um, the long off season. But the most important thing above all else is to get the, the 53 guys healthy to, to week one. That's it. And if, and if you don't get the, if you, if you don't get your 53 guys healthy to week one, then you have failed. And, um, and so, like nothing's happening in OTAs. It's boring. There's no news. And part of that is because all the great players are sitting out. But part of that's also just because nothing's really happening. And that's good, right? We don't want news coming out of OTAs because the more boring an OTA is, the less that our favorite players are playing, the better. Because that's the point. The point is it's just enough for the veterans to, to, to kind of keep up on what's going on. And then, and then you let the, the younger expendable guys uh, do a lot of the learning so they can actually offer competitive reps, you know, later on. So, so McCarthy said the work is driven by the health. So he said that today, and that's 100% right. The work is driven by the health. So a job one and concern one is keep your guys healthy and fresh. Don't overwork them. I would say that one of the reasons why so few guys got work today is because it was so damn hot. Mm-hmm. And so you don't want to overwork uh, and tire out any of your thoroughbreds in particular. And so the, I mean, if you really think about it, the 30 guys at the bottom of the roster are basically signing up to be the one who doesn't take a day off uh, because you can't afford to take a day off if you're one of those guys, knowing full well that their chances of making a roster are incredibly slim or or they have zero um and they're just basically delaying uh that moment when they have to give up football and start working in insurance right and so they know that and that's a that's a that's a gamble they're willing to accept and you know maybe maybe they get lucky and, and they show that they're a good or versatile player um who who could be a good contributor on on the practice squad and so maybe they have a chance to make a practice squad but 
I think, you know, for most of them, there, there's no, there's their, their football dream is already kind of over. Yeah. And that sounds, they're just, they're just extended. It sounds depressing when you, when you say it like that, but I mean, it is. And, and, but you know, there is, I mean, even, even for those that don't make the team, you, like you say, you know, you, you fight for a practice squad, you could be the next Danny Amendola story, you know, they gets picked up from the practice squad and, you know, signed on another team but or whatever. He, 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 yes. Yes. But here's the thing. So, the Danny, the Danny Amendola story is the one that we repeat again and again and again. Just like the, just like the story of the person who was was born in poverty becomes a millionaire, right? And the reality is, and I don't want to get into politics and economics too much, but the reality is that almost never happens. When you're born into poverty, you stay into poverty. It's generational. That's that. Overwhelmingly, that's the way it works. It's one of the hardest things to do is get is get a, a family with a history of poverty out of poverty. Um, so it almost never happens. And just like Danny and Amendola, we focus on the story where the, where, on, those, on those weird singular occasions when that does happen because we want to believe that it's possible when in reality is borderline players have borderline careers and go on to sell insurance or cars or do whatever it is they do. And, um, and that's, that's the way it works. So you're the, the, And they sign up to basically take a, a summer's worth of physical punishment so that the guys who are really important can be fresh for week one. Yeah. Nope. I mean, and they, and they know full well, they know full well what they're doing. Like they, you know, uh, most of them have no illusions, but they love the game. They want to, they want to, you know, they want to be around the guys and, and mix it up a little bit, you know, get some hitting in before they have to go back to go to a profession where you're not allowed to hit other guys. Yeah. Nope. I mean, and it's, you know, the, we, we know that how, even with the new rules and stuff about contact stuff, I mean, you know, once you get in the preseason stuff, there's, we know how brutal this, this game is and injuries happen. And so having, having a deep roster is certainly very important. And we know that coaches are not more and more, it seems that just less and less, you know, the bigger known players are seeing action too. So, so that means that you need somebody out there, you know, getting those reps and you got to get through, get through the preseason so you know having that extended roster certainly allows teams to do that so no i will say that before we before we you know before we wrap this up i will say that one residual side effect of this is that because teams are are i mean i think the goal has always been you know make sure that your players your starters stay healthy through preseason right but but people were still playing them a lot in the preseason so i think they were sort of it was more more kind of like Cross your fingers and white knuckle it a little bit. Now they're, I think they're realizing, you know what? Let's just, let's just not have them play. Right. But, but one of the realities of that is that guys are not ready to play. They're not playing shape. They're not in game shape. And they haven't quite gotten the practice. And that, that you know, the Hellman quote, uh, Christmas is, crispness is not important in June. Ultimately, I think carries into September. And, and so the quality of the product that we're getting not only in the preseason, I mean, the preseason has long been a, a, a low quality product, but the, pro- the quality of the product we're getting in the first month of the season now is a much lower quality product because uh, I think league wide, we're seeing coaches do this mm-hmm. right, where they're, pre- they're preserving their investment, right? We just, we started this conversation by talking about the cap and um, the, you know, the way to preserve their, that investment and, and have the best opportunity to get lucky at the end of the year is to stay healthy. And so, in an effort to do that, teams are just—they're not as good early in the year. Right, and 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 too another thing too is when you get in 
those situations where you like not want to play certain guys, it it, it kind of trickles down and because it, it has a, a a you know a cumulative effect on on like the the unit as 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 a whole because like like if Tyron Smith you don't want to play him because definitely he's you know he's a risky play at any point. So then do you really want to play Dak? And then if if you're not playing Dak, what's the point of playing CD? You know, and it just keeps you know going down. And the next thing you know, you just got Tyler Smith out there as the only guy you know getting reps in there because. You know he needs the work, and then there's that. That's your first team offense, and uh, so, yeah. I mean, yeah. Keep health, keep preserving health is definitely, you know, job one. And I, and I think that's particularly true of units where cohesion is is um, in some ways more important than talent. And the, I, the the positions I'm thinking about most here are offensive line and secondary. So when you when you have like you know your starters in the secondary aren't all playing together, um, the secondary. And, and, the, and the offensive line are most, I think, prone to the O-ring theory, which is that you know, you're only as strong as your weakest link. And um, you know, we talked, I think it was last, was it just last week that we talked about finding the bunny? Finding the bunny, but, yeah, that was. But uh, the place where you find the bunny uh, you know, is in the passing game, when you find the guy who can't cover, or you find the, the guy who gets confused about what his coverage assignment is. Um, and, and, and when you're when you're pass rushing, you find the weakest link on the offensive line. We, I think that was the example we used. We, we talked about they, you know, they would line David Irving up until they found the bunny, mm-hmm. and then and then he would he would crush that guy in the fourth quarter. And so um, so those, those two positions in particular, when you're when you're um, trying to preserve the health of your guys at those positions, you're frankly oftentimes not ready for week one, and sometimes not even for week three and four. Yeah. Yeah, but 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 at least you have your starters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, it'd be interesting to see how things continue to play. I think we should be, be more of the same going on. You know, t- today will mark the last day of of the of OTAs, and then next week we'll we'll get into um, our mandatory mini camp. Well, I think Wednesday, mm-hmm. Wednesday, Thursday, we'll get that going on. It'd be interesting to see if see if we uh, see Dalton Schultz out there or not. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, it's a lot, a lot of, uh, a lot of good practice time to look forward to, um, be interesting to see what kind of developments that we'll start seeing as, as we get more into this, but that is all we have for today. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the Blogging the Boys podcast network. Leave us a rating, write a review wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher. Tell us what you think, anything you would like us to do differently to improve your podcast listening experience. And if you ever want to talk to us about anything at all, any Cowboys hot topics of favorite players that you like in camp, or what is something that grinds your gears, you know, let us know. Hit us up on Twitter. I'm at DannyPhantom24, and Rabs is at RabbleRouser, R-A-B-B-L-E-R-O-U-S-R. And don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week. Every day we got something new for you. Tomorrow we'll have Cowboys Oi with Mauricio Rodriguez, and Sunday we'll have the World's Team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart. So make sure to check those out. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe, stay happy, stay true to the silver and blue, and we will catch you later. What's that I hear? It's the bell. Class dismissed. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. 
It's no wonder the Fundrise Flagship Fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise Flagship Fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com slash Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise Flagship Fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com slash Flagship. This is a paid advertisement. Support for this podcast came from SAS. Data is everything. And now everything is data which means more to process, more to analyze. And now more than ever, speed to answers matters. So how do you produce those answers as fast as the world produces data? With SAS VIA, the quickest way from a billion points of data to a point of view. It's a more productive data and AI platform that helps you get more done. Learn more today at sas.com slash VIYA.